Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard, a magnificent Monday edition of The Yard from the wee hours of the morning. Matter of fact, I have not been to sleep. I have uh, finished up our work at Duty Noble Field. Have some more of that to, uh, to post later today. Dave Murray and I kind of offer some observations about uh, about the weekend and about the week week ahead, two weeks ahead, hopefully. But I don't know how long I'll be with you today, but I wanted to go ahead and get the show recorded this morning while things are fresh in my mind. I I do plan to sleep late today, so nobody call or text me. You know what I'm saying? It's it's been a wonderful, an absolutely wonderful weekend of college baseball at Mississippi State, and... um, Still some things to shake out in the NCAA tournament bracket as we uh, have two spots still available in the final eight of the College World Series. We'll, uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, to what's left, what's next, 
and what just happened. And that's probably the one thing I think most of us that were in attendance and probably some of you watching on TV, I don't really know how to explain what transpired in the ninth inning. Just something absolutely magical took place at Dirty Noble Field. And uh, I will do my best to articulate my thoughts about that, but I will tell you I, I am not exactly sure we will be able to wrap our minds around the magic that took place in the top of that ninth inning. And let's be honest, the game for all intents and purposes was already over. Mississippi State proven to be the better team. And the ninth inning was simply a uh, a way for us to say goodbye and for some of our great heroes to say goodbye to Dirty Noble Field. That's probably the best way to describe that. But uh, an absolutely wonderful weekend. And uh, looking forward to talking about all that. Looking forward to going to Omaha, Nebraska. I have never been. And I am going this time. We'll begin to plan all the logistics and all that kind of stuff like many of you. I'd planned on going, but uh, it's one of those things, you know, until it's all said and done. You don't know when to book your hotel and that sort of stuff. And I'm sure that I'll have to probably stay out a little bit, but that's okay. We'll figure all that out. As uh, as my friend Terry Powell said, if i got to sell my, my wife's boyfriend's prosthetic leg to get there, that's what I'll do. Right, Terry? Funny, funny stuff. want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmart. If you have not done so, you need to comment about go on their facebook page get involved with their socials because you need to be aware of the new specials they're going to have and you're going to want that omaha shirt you're going you're going to want it okay let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get that established you're going to want that mississippi state college world series shirt there's not going to be a better place in the world to get it than a campus bookmark if you can't make it to town go to campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that code BSR will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of talk about what has happened on Sunday. Okay, you know, we had a great, great, great day on Saturday. Ethan Small, big performance, his 10th win of the season. You know, it's so crazy. It's You go back and look at the way this whole thing is shaking out this year. Uh, Ethan's two losses, what, one-run losses? I mean, come on. The guy's leading the nation in strikeouts. Ethan Small's best Friday night guy in the country. There's no question. But you get what you expect out of Ethan. And, uh, you know, you kind of got a sense – that Stanford was throwing off a little bit. And what I mean by that is, is I don't think they kind of wanted their big guy to go head-to-head with, with Small. I think they're thinking, okay, we probably got to win this thing in three games. May not be able to beat Small, so let's throw off. Let's throw what throw, you know our better guy on, on, on Sunday and try to get into Monday because that Mississippi State pitching staff's a little bit in transition with JT Ginn's availability somewhat in question. And so I believe that was kind of the plan. Nobody told me that, but just kind of based on you know what you see, uh, I I think that they I, I think that's the way they went. And, and listen, I, listen, I understand the rotation. Okay, I, I get it. You don't have to don't tweet me and say but Steve. No, there's no but Steve. I think, based on my research of the team, that uh, Eric Miller was uh, was probably their best chance to get a win. 
And then you get in there on, on Monday with uh, with Alex Williams throwing, who's been great basically in midweek guy, but he won a big game for him last weekend against Sacramento State through a complete game. It's a guy that really howling. But the bottom line is, Mississippi State gets into Sunday, one win away from Omaha. And it just kind of felt like all day long that things were just kind of got to go our way. And what I mean by that is, you know, the weather broke our way. You know, we had some we had some winds and some and some other places that kind of shook some things. Up. We didn't get everything we wanted, but we did get some other things. You know, some things just kind of seemed to be falling Mississippi State's way. And one of the things I want to share with you guys, I had a chance when we had the Thursday practice. We had a chance to uh, Dave Murray and I had a chance to visit some of Chris Lamonis out on the field. Uh, really like Chris a lot. Chris is a music guy too, but primarily Chris is a baseball guy. And we talked a little bit, you know, and uh, and he he said some things that I thought would that really proved to be rather, prof, you know, kind of prophetic. And that's Chris saying, you know what? I asked him. I said, you know, is, is Stanford, Miami? You know, I mean, do do you see them kind of the same way? And he goes, well, you know, really no, because you know, Miami had all those lefties. You know, kind of sees this kind of like South Carolina a little bit. And you may recall Peyton Plumlee struggled just a little bit against South Carolina. Now, granted, we made some errors behind him. And made him make some additional pitches. We did the same thing tonight. But he's just felt like Peyton, the way that Peyton was getting good sync, getting good spin rate on stuff, that he was going to be a good matchup for us. That he was going to be a guy that would give them some trouble. And then what does he do? The very first inning, very first hitter, he gives up a solo home run. And that ball was an absolute laser over the fence. I got a little nervous, I'm not going to lie to you, when I thought, man, maybe Peyton's not on. But then I remembered, you know what, we kind of did the same thing against Miami, right? You give up the early lead, and Peyton said in postgame, and if you hadn't watched it, you can go watch it for free. Stanford and Mississippi State postgame for free over on Gene's page. You can go watch it right now. No, You don't have to be a subscriber to watch it. It's all, all together for you. I don't know that anybody else has it all, but we've got it all. But Peyton says, I knew that I was going to give up a home run because I always do. And some of that's because he gets so competitive, you know. And every, every so often he'll hang one, and he gets in this level, especially this late in the year. Uh, people are going to hit mistakes well. So they hit that solo home run, but Peyton really settled down, and I think you saw that even, you know, even in that first inning. You know, he came out and he pitched pretty well, and uh, you know, got through it. And then he put together a streak. I guess he went three straight innings before he allowed another base runner. But Peyton gives up just two hits on the day. The first hitter he faces and the last hitter he faces. Peyton goes into the into the seventh, gets you six and two-thirds of an inning, finally gives up a hit. He gets pulled. It's one of those things you look at, 92 pitches. And, you know, he probably could have gone a hit or two more. But but why? I mean, there's no point in extending him. We're going to need him next week, too. But uh, an outstanding effort by Peyton Plumlee, a true story of redemption. You guys, you guys are somewhat familiar with the story. Had a chance to visit with Peyton and his father in postgame. And uh, Michael Plumley turned to him. I said, it's got to be the greatest day of your life. And he pretty much agreed with me. You know, he just, man, he says, man, I'm just so proud of him. And, and, I, and I go back and I think, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, we found out Peyton Plumley was going to be suspended for the 2018 season 
And there were many people that thought, well, you know what, that's it. We're, he's finished. That's it. He's finished the maroon and white. He's completely done. He'll transfer. He'll, you know, he won't be retained or whatever. But the people that I speak to regularly tell me that Gary Henderson is really the one that went and kind of stood on the table for Peyton Plumley. Spoke highly to John Cohen and to Andy Canizaro and to Coach Lamonis. Very little interaction, but uh, Gotro kind of carried some of that. But uh, that Gary Henderson deserves a lot of the credit for Peyton Plumley because not just helping Peyton develop as a player, but as a person. Because there was an opportunity for Peyton to just go play an AI ball somewhere. Get on out of here and possibly get in the draft. But he wanted to be with his team, wanted to be with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And Gary kind of created a path for Peyton to get back. And now Michael Plumley, almost two years later, is uh, beaming with pride because his son just won the game to send Mississippi State to Omaha for the 11th time in program history. It is just amazing. Again, I mentioned at the top of the show, I don't know if we can really wrap our minds around what's just happened. That's just one interesting subplot to a an incredible story for today. I don't know if you're aware of this. Mississippi State had never beaten Stanford, and we don't played them a couple times. We'd never beaten Stanford before this weekend. We lost to them in the College World Series, and then we lost to them in the regional out at their place. And now we win two games this weekend. We've evened our overall record against them at two and two. You know, the only time we seem to see them is in the postseason, and, and that's really kind of a shame, because Mississippi State has has taken some West Coast trips. We played some West Coast teams, but uh, Stanford's a good program, really good program. Uh, but the bottom line is Mississippi State's better. And one of the things that I said when the bracket came out, and, I, and I've got some friends around and listen, I'm not being negative or anything like that about my friends, okay? I've got some people that they love college baseball. They just don't know college baseball. And there are a lot of people that know it better than me. But the bottom line is this. When the bracket came out and we were paired with Stanford, I thought we really got a break there. I, I was like, man, this is huge for state. A couple reasons why. Number one, I thought Stanford was the most overrated team in the country. Yes, they won a lot of games. They entered the weekend at 45-12. and 12. But by and large, they didn't really play anybody. They, they really didn't. They didn't. You know, they take the series from Oregon State, and Oregon State's in transition this year and about to be an even bigger transition with Pat Casey moving on. They lose the series to UCLA and then lose the series to Mississippi State. But when State got the opportunity, I said, you know what, that comes out. I said, you know what, I'm more worried about Miami than I am Stanford. And I remained that way today. I, I think had, had Miami got sent to Stanford, we might have had to play Miami in a super here. This is a great matchup for Mississippi State. Great matchup. Stanford, number one, does not have elite frontline pitching. They did bring in Jack Little, who is their guy. Jack Little uh, goes four and two-thirds of an inning, allows five hits. He gives up some stuff late. But he got extended. He's not ordinarily an, an early early entry game type guy, but he ends up going, you know, almost five innings of work. Got extended a little bit. Pitch count got up. State finally got to him. 
but uh, you know, you give up that one home run, and it just seemed it seemed like Peyton Roy settled. And and there's a part of me I think maybe giving up the home run and kind of getting it off, you know, kind of getting it out of the way, might have helped been helpful to him. He's like, you know what, hey, I can't, I cannot sit here and float that spinner up around these guys. Got to execute pitches. And I really thought his changeup had a lot of bite to it early on. Really thought that, you know, because because of the fact that he was throwing it in that same arm slot with the same velo and really trusting the grip, I thought that had a lot of bite to it early on. He got some strikeouts looking early in the ball game, And the next thing you know, we get into that third inning. And I, I, wanted, I want to tip my cap to our Mississippi State fans who were at the ball game. Because when Eric Miller was on the ropes, and I, I tweeted something similar. It's like when the Bulldogs had Miller on the ropes, the Bulldog fan base just kind of moved in and said, okay, well, we got him. We got him. We'll go ahead and finish him off here. And that's pretty much what happened. Bases loaded. He gets behind 2-0 in the count. And, and we kind of knew the book on him coming in that he was a hard-throwing left-hander that really struggled with control, and if we would stay out of the way, he would walk the ballpark. And for the most part, we did that. I thought we really grinded out some at-bats. But uh, I don't care what everybody else says. It is apparent to me that the Mississippi State crowd and the fervor in which the the, the fan base cheered for the team caused an impact in its ballgame. It was a 2-0 count. And I don't know which one of you guys did it, or gals, but I want to tip my cap to you. Somebody somewhere in the grandstand stood up and said, okay, let's go. And then the entire stadium was on their feet, clapping rhythmically on the 2-0 count, and then next thing you know, it is a 3-0 count to Justin Foscue. And then the crowd stays on their feet, and they're stamping their feet and clapping their hands, and you're going and, and making all kinds of noise. Might have even been an artificial noise maker in there, too. And he walks in the run. Now, Foscue gets the RBI, but you know what? If we're keeping, if we're keeping an honest accord here, that's, on, uh, that's the stadium. That's Duty Noble Field's RBI. Now, Justin had to lay off of it, and I'm not meaning this any disrespect to Justin. But uh, they said in postgame, you know, the, the crowd's kind of the 10th man. I really thought State's intensity – an environment really rattled Miller because he was excellent the first inning, and then as soon as somebody got on and he had to get in the stretch, he really struggled to execute pitches. He struggled to find a strike zone. There were a couple of four-pitch walks. He couldn't even get the 3-0 get-me-over strike call. Just couldn't do it. And I really feel like, well, they're a veteran team. Yeah, they are a veteran team. They played a better team tonight. The final line on Miller is two and two-thirds of an inning. He normally goes around six. Two hits, four runs, four walks, and a hit by pitch. Five strikeouts. Throws just 71 pitches, but in two and two-thirds of an inning. It's just one of those things you look at, and it just felt like it was going to be our night. The big blow in that third inning looked like it was about to be a grand slam. Dustin Skelton absolutely rakes one to right center. And you know what, Tim O'Brien, I know you're listening out there. If Dustin would have had a little bit better point of contact, it probably is a grand slam, right? But all that being said, bases clearing triple. 
the bigger story here is uh, Stanford comes crashing out of the dugout, kind of demanding a review of the play. Now, I asked in the postgame. I asked about that. But here's, here's my suspicion about that. I can't, you know, here's my hypothesis. I think it was an emotional play, and the Mississippi State crowd exploded. And I think that David wanted to kind of get to stop the game a little bit. We wanted to get a bit of a timeout. And it doesn't hurt to take a look, and that's another topic for another day. I don't think we should be able to review everything. I I, I think there should be a limit on what you can challenge, what you can review. We're asking for review. I mean, listen, our feelings got hurt, so let's do a review. Listen, Skelton absolutely crushed that ball, and the Mississippi State fans near the, the, the point of entry did a great job kind of backing away and giving the players room to make a play, and some of you even assisted by pointing out where the ball was. They didn't make the play, thank goodness. They actually kind of overshot. They were trying to rob a home run that uh, was going off the fence. But Skelton drives in those three runs, and now it's 4-1, to one, and it just felt like then – the way Peyton Plumley was pitching, that Stanford was in trouble. It really felt like Stanford was in a world of trouble. Plumley continued to kind of dominate, and then we get into the fourth inning, we tack on another run, we get a sack fly off the bat of Jordan Westberg. And, man, how big is it to get that guy going? Now, all of a sudden, it's a 5-1 ball game, and it really feels like State's pulling away, so, so Stanford – Brings in Jack Lee just to kind of hold the game in place. He does a great job of that. Kind of spoke with him about that in postgame, too. You can watch that on Gene's page, Stanford postgame. But the game kind of settled for a while. We have a scoreless fifth for both teams, a scoreless sixth, a scoreless seventh, a scoreless eighth, and then something crazy happens in a ninth. Absolutely crazy. And, again, you know, it's, it's a 5-1 game in the ninth. State's three outs away from Omaha. You've got basically the full complement of your bullpen available. You've got a full-run lead. And you have a Stanford offense that has learned pretty quickly that, yeah, this state is not Fresno. Much different deal. Much better pitching. Much bigger atmosphere. Much better hitters. Much better hitters. And so... You know, Stanford really struggled to put anything together offensively on the weekend. And so you just kind of felt like the game was just kind of winding itself down of its own volition. We're going to get into the ninth, and it's going to be over. And then I, I began to check the live stats. You know, I always tweet out just so you guys can know, you know, who's coming up in the order. And I say, hey, Megan's going to get the lead off one more time. And so Jake comes up there, very first pitch. Absolutely laces a single to the left side. First pitch. He said it was pretty much reminiscent of his very first hit he had against Alcorn State as a freshman. He would know. But he leads off, and it's just crazy. The place goes nuts. I mean, it's like even before Jake gets in the box, there's just so much energy in the building that uh, it was just one of those electric moments. You know, it's just like you go through you go through so many games – and you always say, man, you know, like Jack Crystal used to say, this this crowd is alive. This is what Jack was describing. It was absolutely insane in there. And you just knew that destiny was going to kind of will that along. And Mangum gets the hit. And then Westberg gets a hit. And now you're first and second. 
Uh, Tanner Allen gets out, and then uh, there's there's a there's a pitching change. And we're going to bring Magnumy up, and they're going to they're bringing a different pitcher. And uh, there is a huge ovation for Elijah Magnumy. Now, we said many times that Jake Magnum is our guy. Elijah's our guy too, right? Especially after what's happened, him being undrafted, you know, and being injured, and not being able to play in Hoover. Kids overcome a lot. And at this point, we were just all hoping he'd get a hit, right? That's all anybody wanted. So, you know what? Max coming up here for his final time. Let's somehow find a way to get him on base. Let's let's Maybe he can get a single. Maybe he'll pull him back up the middle and Jake will score and it's a big deal. But that's not what happened. No, that's not what happened at all. It was an absolute surreal moment. And Jake Mangum is sitting there kind of imploring the crowd to get on their feet for Elijah, and uh, he got a huge ovation. Very, very happy to see that. Because, again, Elijah's one of our guys, man. Been there, made some great memories with that kid. And uh, as soon as he opened his hips and the bat cleared the zone and he made contact, I was in the press box. I started giving the home run signal. It was just a matter of how far the ball got out because off the bat, with the launch angle and the velocity that thing was traveling, there was just no doubt it was going to get out. And you go go back and watch the video. I've tweeted it out, and if I had, you can find it yourself. Take a look at, at the look on Peyton Plumley's face. And he's just kind of pulling his hat down like, what, what's happening here? What, where am I? What is going on? And it's like I told Bill Martin, MSU's uh, media relations director, and just a wonderful person, a great ambassador from Mississippi State. He goes, you know, he goes, that stuff's like out of a movie. I said, you know, when that kind of stuff happens, it kind of makes you feel like it's your part of something magical. And that's how that moment felt. It's like Jake had to get one more hit and Mac had to get one more home run. And, and let me go ahead and tell you this. I know there's not a lot of uh, folks that are from imposing uh, fan bases listening, but let me tell you, you guys mess around and let Elijah McNamee get going, we might just win the whole thing. Because we know what's going to happen with Tanner Allen, and Jake will be fine. And now all of a sudden, Westberg's starting to get going. And we know what Rowdy's doing. Marshall Gilbert's starting to get going. You guys let Elijah McNamee get going, he can carry us for a couple weeks. Might want to find a way to get that kid out. Because after what's happened to him this week and then the moment he had tonight, you don't think that kid's going to be absolutely electric at Omaha? Let let Mac get going. That's one of the things when we talk about getting to the end of the year and playing your best baseball. That's where Mississippi State is right now. You have figured out the pitching. You have figured out the bullpen. You figured out your order. And now you've got all the pieces kind of moving in the right direction. As you, as you head into Omaha, you're, you're living your best life. Now, Cole Gordon comes in, pitches the ninth. A perfect ninth, I might add. And you remember this time last year, we didn't even know if he was going to be back. Yeah, he, he pretty much had let us know that he'd already accepted a job back home near Tampa. And, uh, and he was done. But now here he is closing out a Super Regional with a perfect ninth inning. Pitched last night. You know, he pitched in every NCAA tournament game. Mississippi State's 5-0, and by the way. You sweep the three games last weekend, win two this weekend, and, and Cole Gordon pitched in all of them. 
absolutely stellar effort again. And it's one of those things, it's just something like out of a movie. And you, and you begin to realize that um, this is not just any other season. There is a special quality. There's just something going on with this team. Can't put your finger on it, can you? And I'm the same way. But every night, somebody else big is stepping up. Now, speaking of stepping up, I was told post-game JT Ginn would have pitched on Monday and that he was ready to pitch and that there is no reason that, that he can't pitch. But we were hoping to get through the weekend without having to use him to give him a little more rest and kind of let that that muscle strain that he's got in his triceps there, let that kind of clear up a little more, get that some more rest the better. But JT would have pitched on Monday. He will be able to pitch in Omaha. And uh, we'll get some extended rest. And I uh, really hadn't touched a baseball much this week. I was told that uh, they were going through drills today, and, and he basically let everybody know, I'm not touching a baseball until tomorrow when I have to. But he would have been good to go. But isn't it great that we didn't have to use him? We didn't have to. We didn't have to use a lot of people this weekend out of the bullpen. So, you know, while some other people have uh, have kind of gone through it, uh, Mississippi State's been able to kind of limit things. I mean, State uses, uh, what, one, two, five pitchers on a weekend? That's outstanding. Absolutely outstanding to get through the weekend with only using five pitchers. Headed to Omaha with a lot of arms, with, uh, with a lot of mileage on them, but a lot of rest as of late. That kind of stuff fires me up. I did ask Coach Chris Lamonis, what is his philosophy? Do we do we throw JT Ginn in game one? Because, you know, we're going to face the Auburn-North Carolina winner and save your ace for game two because that's what we did in the regional, right? And he says, you know, I'm kind of a fan of starting your best guy because you've got opportunity to bring him back. And so there's a possibility that Ethan Small could throw three more times this year if he starts game one. The way that's all spread out, you could have – Three more starts, including one in the uh, National Championship Series. And so that's kind of the thinking right now. And Lamona's kind of shared that with us. You know, I'm thinking, you know what, we're going to go with, you know, we'll see what the matchup looks like. But we're leaning towards going with Ethan in game one at Omaha. And then that leaves JT to go in game two. Now, could that be Vanderbilt? It could be. You know, the one thing we do know in our bracket is the top half is set. Vanderbilt and Louisville will play. We're not exactly sure what day yet. We think it's going to be Sunday. But it could be Saturday, depending on how things shake out. That will all finalize later today, and you can kind of finalize your travel arrangements. But we will play the winner of the Auburn-North Carolina game. And I'll be honest with you, I, I like this bracket. I, I do. I know some other people out there that, that have worried their whole way through the season. We'll find some way to convince you that we don't have a prayer in Omaha. We didn't have a prayer in Frisco, but yet we won that thing. We didn't have a prayer in Gainesville, but somehow we went down there and won that thing. Should have swept the whole thing, right? All year long, there's been these folks that just kind of struggled, you know, struggling to get on board. But you know what? There's room on the bandwagon for everybody now, right? Let's put all that behind us. It's time to get serious about trying to go win a national championship. And so Small is expected to go in game one, no matter who the opponent is. Then I think that lines up pretty well with JT going in game two. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if Peyton Plumlee's not the best third starter in the country. <laughs> I mean, seriously. 
I mean, look at the work that kid has done in the final month of the season. He has been outstanding. Since the Arkansas series, he, is, he has been equally as good as uh, Ethan Small. Doesn't get the strikeouts, but uh, has been equally as effective getting people to get themselves out, put the ball in, in play, with defense make plays behind him. And listen, he pitched through a couple of, you know, Marshall Gilbert had a tough start to the night. Doesn't come back to bite us. But Peyton's getting ground balls, just not quite getting the play sometimes. But you get through it. And that's one of the things when you think about these tournaments, you know, it's so taxing on your pitching staff. And you look at the fact how many pitchers at Mississippi State got the weekend off. How many people will be fresh when we go to, go to Omaha? A lot of people. A lot of people that, that uh, threw some bullpens this week. They'll throw a bullpen with JT this week, too, just kind of see where he is. But, you know, a reasonably healthy JT Ginn and a resurgent Peyton Plumley, and then the best pitcher in the country and uh, Ethan Small, you know, this might be our best chance to go win it, maybe since 85 or so. This might be our best chance to go win it. Offensively, you figured some things out. Josh Hatcher's been a big part of things. Subbed for him late tonight when they made the pitching change. But uh, the bottom line is Mississippi State's playing good baseball. Playing our best baseball of the year. Hey, guys, I was in a Bulldog Burger Company uh, pregame. Took uh, my lovely sister Reagan and her husband, William, their two girls. We were missing Dylan. Dylan's at, uh, at, at Bug Camp, Mississippi State. That entomology department there is outstanding. But uh, went there today, had the uh, the BLT salad. And uh, my brother-in-law, William, had the pimentology. And then uh, Reagan had the uh, the grilled cheese sandwich, the three-cheese grilled sandwich. It was an absolute hit for them. And, of course, I had to put them on the spring rolls. It was packed in there, too. Oh, my goodness, it was packed. And uh, everybody having a good time. You'll have a good time when you go by there. I encourage you, go by when friends are in town or when you're in town, go by Break bread together at Bulldog Burger Company. The great restaurant quality hamburger is one of those, those fine things in life that you need to treat yourself to. And so I encourage you to go by. Find your own favorites. It's a place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T, that's Bulldog Burger Company. So let's kind of look at what else has happened here. I mentioned kind of let you guys know how our side of the bracket is looking. Um. Vanderbilt, of course, takes care of Duke. And, you know, we just, everybody felt, okay, so, so Duke wins game one and absolutely destroys Vanderbilt. We knew Vanderbilt would rebound, but felt like if Duke didn't win it on Saturday, they were in trouble. They are going to run out of pitching. That's exactly what happened. Vanderbilt beats them 13-2. And, and, you know, <laughs> uh, Kamar Rocker throws a no-hitter in game two. Uh, for Vanderbilt. And, and listen, he's been up and down. Okay, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, this is the next Dwight Good. And that's, you know, come on. It'll be a different deal. But you knew Vandy would answer back. They did. So they're at the top half of our bracket. Um, North Carolina, they take, they shut down Auburn 2 nothing, And that's really been the thing with Auburn all year offensively. They have had some hot spots as of late. But by and large, they are not a great offensive team. And North Carolina really gets in some trouble. That, there will be an limit. There will be... A winner-take-all game today. And so Mississippi State will play the winner of that game. I don't care who it is. I, I would prefer Auburn. It's because of the fact that I think we know enough about them. And I think Ethan will really – I think Ethan will shut them down again. 
Arkansas and Ole Miss, and uh, that that game today, guys, I, I, I give you no uh, no quarter in that one because neither team has a lot of pitching left. Both teams are swinging the bat really well. Ole Miss really got to Arkansas on Sunday, 13-5. to The ball was carried out to right, and Ole Miss took full advantage. I mean, they hit some absolute monster shots. And Arkansas spent a lot of their pin as well. And so it'll be interesting to see how they piece this thing together. That game's going to – I could see Ole Miss winning the thing and getting to Omaha. Uh, and, and the thing about that, too, is people forget this. Arkansas won game one. Same thing in the regular season series. Arkansas wins game one. Ole Miss comes back and wins games two and three. That was an emphatic win for Ole Miss today on, on Saturday. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Pardon me. Goodness, I'm, t- I'm so deliriously tired. But uh, that's interesting, to say the least. Uh Texas Tech knocks off Oklahoma State, a an exciting regional. We were able to watch some of that, you know, while we were uh, working through our game. You know, Texas Tech with a big, big homer in late, and put the game away. And uh, Mississippi State, of course, beats Texas Tech at the Frisco Classic earlier this year. Uh, a big, big series for them. But again, Big Twelve with just one team in. Now the Pac-12 will not have anybody in because Michigan upsets UCLA. Michigan also won the last four teams in the tournament. They win 4-2. UCLA, the overall number one seed, is bounced out of their home regional. Speaking of bounced, LSU swept at home by Florida State. Florida State's back in Omaha on the other side of the bracket. LSU is, is, is eliminated. And uh, I tweeted this out, too, just because I think it's important. You know, Antoine DePlantis is, I guess, 20-some-odd hits behind Jake. Well, he, well, DePlantis is done now. Jake's still got at least two more games to play. And so uh, Jake could uh, get into the top five and uh, maybe make a push a little bit longer. I guess he's right there at number five right now. He could push on in there and uh, not going to get the national record, but going to leave an incredible mark for himself. So to run that down for tomorrow, okay, there, there are two spots remaining, one in our bracket, one in the other bracket. And so we know Michigan has knocked off UCLA. We know that Oklahoma State loses to Texas Tech. So Tech and Michigan both advance. Florida State advances. And then there will be the winner of the Arkansas Ole Miss game that will advance. What's interesting, too, is there were top, there were eight top eight national seeds, obviously. There are three of them that have been eliminated. The number one, UCLA, has been eliminated. Number three, Georgia Tech, with snicker, snicker. Uh, number four, Georgia. Texas Tech escapes. Uh, an interesting comment to Louisville, of course, number seven. See, they're still in it too. Interesting comment uh, from Cliff Godwin. I thought uh, when I read the post-game reaction there, Louisville absolutely destroyed ECU, and I expected that. Okay, I don't think ECU uh, is anywhere close to what they think they are, and that was a quality win for Mississippi State. But it's one of those anomalies in the RPI and all that kind of stuff. ECU really, they got credit for losing to some teams, but they didn't beat a lot of people. I mean, UCLA goes over there, sweeps them, Mississippi State beats them. Uh, they do beat Ole Miss, and that was a big win at the time, and, and Ole Miss has made that look better in hindsight. But uh, Cliff Godwin, they, they, it's okay. So Louisville beats ECU 14-1 and 12 nothing. Okay, and Louisville is a great team. I don't know that uh, they're 26-1 and better than a super regional opponent. And I think that really says something about the quality of the opponent. But here's what Cliff Godwin said 
in the postgame after they got absolutely shelled yesterday. I was frustrated when the bracket came out. Look, I know we're a little poor East Carolina. Listen, we, we've, we've played that card before. Uh, but the kids couldn't do anything more than what they did. We couldn't drop a better schedule. Well, that's true, Cliff, but you could win some of those games, right? Because if you had won a couple of games, maybe you beat Mississippi State or you beat UCLA, then you are a top eight national seed. But when you go out there and you get beat 26-1 to 1 by the number seven national seed, I don't know how you make an argument that you should have been a top eight national seed. He goes on to say, it's a joke, to be quite honest with you. I just felt we had earned it. How? How? And they were the number 10 national seed. It's not like they were, you know, listen, look what happened to to, uh, to Miami. You know, Miami was right there in the discussion to be a host, a regional host. It's one of the top 16 seeds. They end up having to be sent to the number six national seed. Why don't they, they, they didn't earn it? Goodness gracious. But I thought those comments, I think it's it's obviously some sour grapes. And, and listen, Cliff Godwin's a great baseball coach. And uh, he's being asked to, you know, to kind of summarize, you know, a season or a weekend after a very difficult and frustrating weekend. But um, ball don't lie. That's the thing about this game is, uh, you know, if you're the best team, you'll find a way to win. And that's one of the things when I begin to look at this, the way this whole bracket thing set up. Mississippi State got arguably the toughest number two seed in the country with Miami. And Mississippi State beats them. Mississippi State sweeps it. Mississippi State gets the hottest team in the country in Central Michigan, beats them. And then you get Stanford, who just about everybody had ranked ahead of Mississippi State most of the year. In the current polls, Stanford's number three, Mississippi State's number five. And so, State didn't get any favors with any brackets. It's not like State got Jacksonville State and Illinois and Clemson. You know, State's had to work through this thing. And so, and there are some other people out there that see these gaudy scores and they think, oh, we ought to be hammering these teams. Not at this level. Not with the draw Mississippi State got. But State handles their business. State is now battle-tested. State is ready to go. State is ready to get after it, this whole deal. So the field will be finalized later today. There are just two spots and two games remaining, and then we'll be able to kind of move forward from that. And so SEC teams all involved with that, and uh, obviously the, the dream of getting five SEC teams into the final eight, that, that has been removed. Two automatically and now with Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. We know at least one more because Ole Miss and Arkansas are playing head-to-head. One of us, we have at least three of the eight will be from the SEC. If Auburn can find a way to knock off North Carolina, they could be four of eight. But you would have three SEC teams on the same side of the bracket, being Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, along with Louisville. I'll also share with you, I don't know that uh, (laughs) – that I would uh, sleep on Louisville. I think they're a great team. I don't know they're nationally elite, but I think Vanderbilt can be had. Vanderbilt struggles to throw strikes. And let's say Vanderbilt has a uh, a Friday night like they had this past week, and where they go out there and they struggle and they throw a lot of hittable pitches and Louisville turns loose on them, and and all of a sudden Vandy gets up in the loser's bracket. I mean, you hate to see it, you know. I also think Mississippi State the second time through against Vanderbilt. You know, we they didn't play us either. That's one thing people say. Well, they, you know, Mississippi State didn't play Vandy. Well, Vandy didn't play us either. That's a two-edged sword. 
And so, I, I, you know, we've seen what they've got to offer. We pitched against them extremely well. Ethan Small had uh, one of his best outings of the year. Might be a little different with a right-hander up there, but we'll see. In that big ballpark, I think Peyton Plumlee's in, uh, in line for a couple of good outings at Omaha. I really do. With that big ballpark to work with. It's big. It really is. And uh, a lot of it's going to depend on how the wind's blowing in. Now, Chris Lamona shared something tonight, and I, maybe I had forgotten this, but when he was at Indiana, they, they played their conference tournament at TD Ameritrade. So he is very familiar with how the ballpark plays. He's very you know familiar with how the winds blow there. And so when you begin to kind of factor all this together, we are the most experienced team in the postseason. And what I mean by that, we're the only one that's been a four-star at Super Regionals. Right. We went to Omaha last year. Arkansas went last year too. Arkansas, Arkansas is right there with us. Okay. But we've got a little more experience. We've got some. You know, our roster's a little bit older. And old wins in college baseball. It just does. And so the way all this is kind of shaken out for us. Now we've got the experienced team. We've got a coach that is familiar with the venue. That is coached there. Jake Gotro coached there last year. You know we just. It's all setting that well for Mississippi State. It's all setting that well. And that's the thing that's most exciting to me. Is there have been so many times in years past that we'll, we'll finally break through and then we get, you know, we play the defending national champion in, in, in round one. And we're automatically in the loser's bracket and then we win a game and get back out of it and then we're eliminated. You know, the way this bracket is setting up, Mississippi State can make a run. There's nobody in the bracket that scares me. And I know some other people will say, well, Vanderbilt really scares me. Well, you know, listen, it's pretty clear that Crystal Mullinus and Scott Foxall had a great pitching plan to kind of shut Vanderbilt down because they did. They limited Vanderbilt to just one run. And that was on a ball that you know, Rarity just didn't see off the bat. I would love another crack at them. We might get two. But I would love to be able to kind of test the depth of that pitching staff. But we'll see what happens. Eager to see what happens in these elimination games today. And then we'll set the field, and then we'll know if we're playing Saturday, Sunday. I was told today it looks like Sunday today, but until they finalize the field on Monday, we won't know for sure. Because a lot of that's going to be about TV, right? And so many people have asked, why do we play the 8 o'clock game on Sunday? You're playing a Pac-12 team. They've got to find some way you know, to get, uh, to get TV ratings all the way through the day. And that's what they did. And I don't know why you ever need somebody playing at 11 o'clock on a Friday, but that's what happened. Just kind of hot off your clues. But I know that Mississippi State is uh, where they need to be. Now it's about going and finishing the deal. We spoke at length with Jake Mangum, Dustin Skelton, Peyton Plumley, and to a man, they say, hey, listen, we're going to Omaha to win the national championship. That is our goal. We're not just happy to get to be there. We're not just going to get a T-shirt. We don't want to just go get our picture made in front of the statue in front of Ameritrade. We're going to win the national championship. That's the goal. We did all the touristy stuff last year. And I think Mississippi State kind of benefits from the fact that they, they know what the media push is and all the meetings and all the scheduling. If you've never done all that, it can be a little bit of a shock to the system. But the fact that Mississippi State has already been through that and they're aware of what's expected of them, that's a huge advantage. Arkansas is in the same boat. But again, that's the other side of the bracket. And so it's just about getting there. 
And you know, in Arkansas, may not get there either. Arkansas still got to get over Ole Miss. But I think Mississippi State is in a great position because of the fact you've got experience as a head coach that's played at Omaha, coach at Omaha, coach in the Ameritrade. You've got experience with Jay Gotro who's been there. You've got experience on this roster. There are so many players that were so eager to get back. And I'll never forget, Robbie Donahoe tweeted it out late Sunday morning or Sunday night, early Monday morning. Elijah McNamee said, mark my words, we're going to come back to Omaha next year and we're going to win a national championship. Mark my words. That's his exact quote. And now here we are heading back to Omaha. We'll see what happens. I think Mississippi State can compete with and beat anybody in the country. I don't think I think it's absolutely wide open, and that's one thing to love about this College World Series field. No matter who wins these ball games today, it is completely wide open, and anybody can win the national championship. Anybody. I don't know that Ole Miss can. I don't know if they got the elite pitching, and I'm not, not trying to be negative. I don't know that they've got the pitching. I know, and when I watch Arkansas. I don't know outside of Isaiah if they've got a guy if they can if they ever get down in the losers bracket I think Arkansas is in a world of trouble, and I mean a world of trouble. And I think that's I think today this game uh, with them and Ole Miss I think that you talk about a coin flip. Goodness gracious, it could be anything. What would happen in this state if Ole Miss and Mississippi State both headed to Omaha? I don't want that to happen. But I'll tell you, it reminds me a little. It's kind of reminiscent of the 2014 football season, and uh, it's kind of like, you know what, you bet you guys better not lose until we beat you. Because I feel like if Mississippi State got a chance to play Ole Miss for a national championship, we would be hanging a banner at their expense. I think we all feel that way. I think they feel that way. But to give Ole Miss a lot of credit, a lot of people left them dead and buried, and uh, here they are now one win away from Omaha. It's crazy. It really is. So that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Wednesday. I will let you know about Friday because uh, I'll, I'll be finalizing my travel plans. Maybe we record Thursday. Even, I don't know. But uh, we'll be getting ready for, for Omaha because it, we're, we're going to work. it's still baseball season here in Starkville, Mississippi. It's not baseball season anymore in Baton Rouge. It's football season down there, right? We're still celebrating baseball, and hopefully we're going to get to do so for a couple more weekends. And so uh, excited about what is to come. And we'll be back on Wednesday and kind of preface all that. People are already asking about tickets and that sort of stuff. We don't have any, a lot of answers on that right now. But give Mississippi State some time to get the, that stuff together for you. We'll get it out to you as soon as we, as we can. But, again, Mississippi State, your super regional winners. Headed to Omaha for the 11th straight time. Second time in two years. The only time we've ever done that in school history is 97-98. And now we've, we've done it again. There's only one thing left to do. There's only one thing left to do, and that's go win a national championship. I hope if we do it this year. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make with friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.